Hey, how you doing? Welcome to the Headwaters Church Podcast. My name is Luke Such. I'm Scott Meinema. Today we are talking about doctrinal essentials. What uh, what are the hills you're going to die on? Most important things to consider within a local church context. Yeah, there's there's just a lot of topics that are bringing division in the church. Which one should bring division? Which ones should we be unified over? Right? How do how do Christians prioritize theological? issues. Uh, when should doctrine divide? When should unity prevail? A lot to get into. Give it a second. We'll be here. Well, so Luke, we've um, we kind of touched on this, but as we think about all the theological issues, um, what are, in your, in your opinion, what are the ones that are the non-negotiables? Right. What, you know, and I, maybe we kind of Maybe we kind of put these into, you know, others have categorized them into maybe three or four different levels. But, yeah. but at least that first level, what are some of the, the, the issues that are, we would just say, are fundamental to the faith? Which are the, 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 the hills that we would, we would die on from a doctrinal standpoint? What, am I, what are those through church history that are the the ones that are the most important. Yeah, quality coffee, right, Scott? I mean, it's uh, right at the... <laughs> little, yeah, a little bigger than that. Okay, yeah. okay, not that. Uh, um, yeah, it, it's a helpful question, and we've, we've been dialoguing about this and uh, kind of stumbling over ourselves how to break this down. I think what we've landed on here is to think about it in terms of just in terms of priority. Where do we start? And let's start working our way down. And then what are some things that are at the bottom of... or that we could disagree on. So let's, we're going to start with some of the things that we, I can't disagree with a, a fellow a Christian in my local church on the Trinity, right? The, the belief that God is, and again, the language, one of the other things as we've been talking about this, the language gets really tricky to try and make sure that you're clear on these, that the way to, if you want to talk about the Trinity, here, here's how you do it. God is one in essence, three in persons, all right? Be, be very careful with how you use your language, co-equal in glory and majesty. God is one in essence, three in persons. And so that is, and it's most boiled down form, the doctrine of the Trinity. We yeah. have to agree on that. Yeah, without the affirmation of the Trinity, right? There's there's no true Christianity. It all falls apart. Yeah, yeah. How about um, when we talk about the Trinity, how about the deity of Christ? Yeah. So again, within that umbrella of the Trinity, the question of is Christ God or is he like God has been a historical a bugaboo for the church. There, there is no new heresy. That is probably the first heresy in many ways. The question of making Christ the first creation of God, or is he God? And so we hold the Orthodox Christian view is that Christ is God, he, right? You, you look at Hebrews chapter 1, you look at Philippians chapter 2, uh, Colossians 1, some of these great yeah. Christological passages. John 1. Yeah, absolutely, of course, um, that are going to lay out and say, no, th- th- this isn't a created being. This isn't a... Uh, someone who's like God, Christ is God, the exact imprint of his ma- nature in Hebrews 1. Uh, so those types of things, we say, if if we disagree on who Christ is, we're going to have a really hard yeah. doctrine. I'll, I'll, I'll die on that hill. Yeah. So, and I said, you know, the uh, the deity of Christ, but we would, we would argue passionately for both the deity and the humanity of Christ. Both of those are 
crazy important to both salvation. Both are, are biblical, both are necessary for our salvation, yeah. and uh, yeah, like you said, really important. And historically, like that's almost how these conversations have gone, right? We started with this question of Trinity and really specifically on the, uh, the role of Christ and the deity of Christ, but it's still, even after that question comes up, quite famously at the, the Council of Nicaea, um, the, the the fun story there, the heretic Arius who believed that Christ was created, and uh, as as the story goes, Saint Nicholas that that Saint Nicholas got so frustrated that he punched Arius in the face at the Council of Nicaea. So, <laughs> you know, the, you've seen the memes. I I came to to give presents and punch heretics, and I just ran out of presents. So you know, it's it's that type of debate that happens early in the church, and it's even for another hundred and twenty something years. At, that happens in 325. It's not until 451 at the Council of Chalcedon that we get what's called the hypostatic union, this idea that that the two natures of Christ are present wholly in the person of Christ. He is fully God and fully man. So those things have gotten teased out over a long period yeah. of time. You know, I think what's becoming one of my favorite part of this podcast, even though it's our third one, is that I think every one of these is going to have a little bit of a church history in it. So, um, yeah, this if you is if be you great. open that door crack, I'm going to burst through it and go, "Hey, were you doing it to talk about church history?" I'm happy to do that. So, continuing on with yes. the uh, the non negotiables, you know, we started with the Trinity. What and where would you where would you place the inerrancy, sufficiency, authority of Scripture? It is next on the list. Mm. So if you start with Trinity, Christology, and, and really in, in so many ways, you know, we were just talking about this, all of these are wrapped together, but so much of it, if if you deny this third, right, the inerrancy, sufficiency, authority of Scripture, all the rest of it is really irrelevant because you you can disagree, right? Like I yeah. say, I'm going to choose this part of Scripture to believe or not. And uh, one of the ways, if you ever hear somebody say the Bible contains the Word of God, that's a clear sign to you that uh, they're not holding to all of the Bible as the Word of God. And you're, at that point, someone has to be the judge which parts are from God and which parts are from the human authors or from whatever other input, historical or, or whatever it may be, that, that have come to be a part of the Bible. Well, if I'm the one who's differentiating between those two things, really my faith is a reflection of me. Yeah, and so we could have we could have just just as easily, and maybe it would have been good to start with the inerrancy, sufficiency, authority of scripture, yeah. oh, because and, everything. And, if if as you kind of alluded to, if you start to open the door, that well, that's not what that's really not what scripture meant, or yeah, that was um, that was for them, but this is a different. Once scripture begins to break down, then you know, then we can begin to challenge anything that scripture says, sure. right? And yeah. I, a big debate within uh, the more uh, systematic theology worlds. Where do you begin your systematic theology, uh, right? So yeah. uh, typically, evangelical people, uh, Wayne Grudem, I think, is, you know Erickson a little better than I do. Does he start with... Uh, I don't recall. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but Grudem will start with his doctrine of the Bible, because yeah. everything flows out of what you believe on the Bible is going to change everything else, because that is your authority, or it isn't. Or... Is it your only authority, right? This is the big question in the Reformation. Is is it because the Catholic Church agrees that the Bible's authoritative? They just add into that authority the tradition and the papacy, which is going to what happens now. We've added a bunch of new authorities. So a 
a Protestant view or a local church that that, that I would I couldn't go to a local church that doesn't hold to Scripture as its only authority. Yeah. 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 So would we also say then the gospel? And when you know when I talk when I say the gospel, there's so many things we could roll into that. Mm-hmm. But justification. Yep. By yep. faith alone. Right. Um, would you put that on the hill to die on list? Yes, yeah. I would. I again, bunch of things related to the gospel, justification by faith alone. Which means I I bring nothing to the cross. I'm a beggar at the cross. I only bring my sinfulness, nothing contributing to my own redemption. So that piece for sure, we've talked about a a, a view of humanity, a, a theological anthropology, a doctrine of man that says. I am sinful. I'm. I'm not just a little bit sinful, right? Like I'm with David. That I, I, I was in my mother's womb and I was sinful. It's not something that, oh, I picked it up somewhere in my teens. You know, like no, this is this is who I am as a sinner, and that view of humanity is going to desperately, mm-hmm. drastically, not desperate, drastically change how you go about understanding the need for salvation, how you engage with the world. All kinds of different things. If you if you disagree on that, you're gonna have a hard time. Yeah. Yep. Virgin birth, resurrection. Yeah. yeah the uh, being able to, again, downstream from this idea: Do you trust the Bible's account on these things or not? And it's a lot of those doctrinal positions are a reflection of your view on Scripture. But yeah, if you are gonna deny those. It's only a matter of time before you're going to deny a bunch of other things. Because, again, you're looking at the Bible and saying, yeah, but, right? So this is the the modern, post-Enlightenment world. This was the modern problem. Can we believe in the miracles or not? And so quite famously, the Thomas Jefferson Bible, right, where he cuts out all of the miracles. Okay, um, what are you left with? You're left with some book that is incomplete in many ways or that is trying to deceive you. Well, if that's your view, why are you holding to any of it? Yeah. yeah. How about you know the nature of the nature of man and sin? Would we uh, would we, we'd put those on the uh, non-negotiable list? Wouldn't we? Yeah, yeah, I think so. And, and uh, back to some of the earlier stuff, but related um, when we talk about scripture and we talk about the doctrine of God, this doctrine of revelation, um, understanding that I've got two massive problems. First, I'm sinful, and that puts a giant block between me and God. But secondly, and the the more uh, doctrine of God part, God is infinite. So not only am I limited to understand who God is because of my sinfulness, I can't understand who God is because of how vast and glorious and grand he is. So I have this giant two-headed problem that I can't know God. I can't, on my own capacities, know who God is. And that is a huge issue solved only by the fact that that giant chasm is bridged by God himself, first through his written word, but primarily through his living word, right? Through, Mm -hmm. Through the incarnate word of Jesus Christ, and then through the Bible that he makes himself known to us. He bridges the gap of the, the giant disparity of, caused by my sinfulness and his infiniteness, and he's the one who fills that in. So understanding how broken I am and understanding the greatness of God are necessary uh, to, to just having a proper view of your faith. 
Yeah, that's great. So we've, you know, we've talked about these non-negotiables. We've talked about the uh, the inerrancy, sufficiency, and authority of Scripture. Everything cascades from there. Uh, doctrine of the Trinity, the deity and humanity of Christ, mm-hmm. uh, justification by faith alone, the nature of sin and the nature of man. Those are all uh, the gospel, all, yep. all major we would call them first order, first level, non-negotiable type issues. But what are some of the second order doctrines that we would say uh, believing Christians might disagree on? Right. Um, but they would, um, and they may even create some. Well, I don't know what the right word is: separation or boundaries. Denominational. Maybe denom- yeah. There's there's a good word <laughs> uh, between believers, but they're. Um, you know, they're they're we can still have fellowship with with one another. What would you what would you say some of those might be? Yeah. So before I answer that, I'm just thinking through this in terms of uh, as a, as a heart of a pastor, right? So I'm guessing that if there's anyone who's listening to this, it's probably someone who attends Headwaters Church. Hence the name. Um, being around church world long enough, I know that a good portion of the people that are in our church right now will someday be looking for another church. Whether or not that's because they moved or something they didn't like that happened in relationally or theologically here, and I understand that. Those things happen. What I think this podcast is an attempt would be, if if I were, again, from the heart of a pastor, look at my people and say, these are the things you should look at when you go to a church. These are the things that you should prioritize that should be really important to you. And, and we teased on this some in our conversations leading up to this, but all of these things, particularly on the doctrine of uh, authority, sufficiency, inerrancy of Scripture, it's not just a intellectually held belief, but it's a functional belief, right? So anybody can put it in their doctrinal statement. I, w- If you were looking for a new church, look for one that, that is immediately evident when you walk in the door. You're like, oh, they believe in the Bible here. Mm. This isn't just something that they put on a, a statement of faith that's buried somewhere in their website. This is something that guides the way they operate as a church. It's it's held up. It said, this is why, right? So when we preach, I, I don't ever want you to think that what's being preached is something that came out of my creativity or anybody else's, I, I want you to look, I want to open your Bible. I want to show you why I'm suggesting this. Look at the text. This is not from me. This is from God. That is a a functional outworking of our doctrine of the authority and sufficiency of Scripture, not just a abstract idea that it's there. Anything you want to say on that yeah, before no, we go? No, that's good. So what, what are some of the... Uh... Those secondary yeah, type so issues. Yeah, so if we hit all those primary issues, those first-order issues, and I were looking for a church, I could walk into a church that agrees with me on those things, and we could disagree on music style. We could disagree on—oh, you want to you camp there for a minute? No, no, no. I, I, I guess I'd put music style even in a third level. Um, sure. I even, right? I'm, I'm thinking more along the lines of— Sure, like for denominate example, ba- baptism. Baptism. Okay, all right. So I'm mixing mixing my uh, timeline here of where or timeline. Uh, uh, yeah, just levels of importance. Thank right? you. Yeah, thank I would you. I would just put I'd put bap- music styles at music the very styles, bottom. Yeah. Yep. 
Okay, so more doctrinal or heavy, heavier doctrinal issues, but not something that I would put outside of fellowship. Um, so baptism is a great one. Um, views on end times we've talked about, but baptism. I have good we, friends who are pedo baptists who believe in infant baptism. Yeah, and I don't know that we're going to go to the same local church, but we're going to be in good fellowship. They are believers in the Lord. We disagree on a second order issue. Yeah, good. Another second order issue I think would be, you know, church structure, right? Governance. So what are some options there? Yeah, well, I mean, we've seen uh, an experience just, I I think back as Janelle and I have been through, you know, various churches as we've moved and lived in different places, we've been through churches that are clearly congregationally led. Mm-hmm. We've been in churches that are elder-ruled. We've been in a church that was elder-led, and I'm making <laughs> a distinction between elder-ruled, elder-led. And we've been in uh, churches that were more, while they were congregational, they were more senior pastor-led. Right. So, uh, but again, would we would we consider that kind of a, uh, a second order or second, well, important, right? Yes. But... Yeah, not inconsequential by any means, but not outside of the faith. Right. Not first order of disagreement. Good, good standing believers can can disagree on that type of issue. Yeah. How about um, how about spiritual gifts mm. and just the view of, you know, there's our view on. So I, I have in view right First Corinthians. 13 and 12, 13, 14, right? And just there's two big categories, right? People throw spiritual gifts into, and and it's the idea of uh, sensationist or continuous. Are the gifts are the gifts continuing t- into the church today, or did they cease at 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 some point in early church history? So, but without unpacking, you know, all of that, right? What right are would you consider that to be a kind of a secondary issue that? Yeah, I think it could be a secondary issue. I think it could even be potentially pushed into that third order if we're getting into that of some people could have a disagreement within a local church body on that. But I mean, some of my favorite uh, theologian Wayne Grudem, who I have his systematic theology out on the the desk right now, he's he's more Pentecostal. He's gonna uh, hold to a, uh, a active use of sign gifts within his local congregation. Uh, my favorite professor in graduate school was he was a history professor, and I was shocked when I found out that he was a Pentecostal. <laughs> he didn't have the temperament for it. I was like, oh, man, and Dr. Larson didn't know. Um, and so I, some of those things, uh, yeah, we can disagree on that. Our, our church doesn't take a hard and fast position on that. There's probably a variety of views within our church. We don't speak in tongues necessarily. Um, it, not necessarily. I've never seen it happen in our church. Yeah, that's the way it should be phrased. I, I don't think it's uh, off limits necessarily. That's where the necessarily should have gone. Uh, but functionally, it's not something that we do. Yeah. Well, I want to get to some of the, the third order doctrines because the thing that I've observed in my own life, sadly, and in the life of others is that oftentimes these you know, the third level or the third order yeah. issues, bec- we make them primary issues yep. and, and, and really, really shouldn't. But, um, you know, some other just secondary issues that just come to mind, um, age of the earth, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, literal six days of creation, mm-hmm. or do those six days represent something else? We can disagree on those things yep. and, and not be a major 
major issue. Yeah, I think uh, uh, John Piper's church, he has a video on this saying, we, we have elders who have hold both positions. I'm like, that's interesting. Okay. So there's a, an example of a local church, well-known pastor, um, who are going to say this is maybe even a third or, you know, it's it's a, something that we can disagree with on within this local church, and, and they're okay with that. Our, our church takes a literal six-day position, um, but we have people who attend here, even uh, I think people who are, are members who might disagree with that or, or hold that view 55-45, you know, something like that. So it it's not a question of salvation, not right. a question. You, you can disagree with somebody and, and hold them in very high esteem and believe that they are in good standing within the faith. Yeah. So I'm looking at the clock, and uh, we're, yep. we're, we want to be sensitive to the time. When we look at these third-order issues, these you know doctrines where Christians may disagree, but, but we can remain close in fellowship, we can remain in the same local body of believers in the same congregation. These, in other words, these shouldn't be issues that that divide us. These shouldn't mm-hmm. be issues that hills that we die on. And right. yet, sadly, I think in, in, and I'll just be candid, I think in, 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 at least I could speak for myself, in my immaturity, mm-hmm. these were perhaps things that I've allowed in my past to divide. And yeah. so, you know, things like, for example... Um, politics, yep. and uh, uh, what would be what would be some other things that you can think of that we've allowed to instead of um, remaining unified and and uh, we've allowed to bring you know division in in the local body that really should be third issues maybe eschatology right yeah I think those two are great we mentioned music style already mm-hmm. uh, so we can just talk through those really quick on, on the politics one. Um, just did this for ABFs that uh, Jonathan Lehman and Colin Hansen mentioned in their book, Rediscover Church, and that was a great point, that within Jesus' disciples, you have two polar extremes of political representation. So you have Matthew, who's a tax collector. He's Jewish ethnically, but he is an extension of the Roman state, right? Very disliked by his uh, uh compatriots there who are, are all of his na- nation is really frustrated with Roman occupation. On the other side of that, you have Simon who's a zealot and is a part of a quite literally a political movement that is seeking to overthrow Rome. They're sowing rebellion and trying to you know cause havoc for the Romans. And so within Jesus's disciples, you have the spectrum of political uh, conviction in the first century Israel. that you have both sides of the mm-hmm. spectrum present. That should tell us something. Um, now, on that, we live in a different world, and most of the time in our world, if you hold one political view, that's attached to a ton of other different things that are difficult to unravel. Um, so I understand why it's become a higher order of importance for a lot of people. That being said, don't make the mistake of assuming that every person does their politics that way. There, yeah. there are a lot of people that can hold one view and disagree with something on economic policy, for instance, that doesn't make them uh, necessarily against you and your views of being pro-life. Yeah. Yeah. Bible translations. That sure. was a, kind of an oldie, but a goodie. That is an oldie. <laughs> I, I did not live through those. Days. There are whisperings of that in my time, but uh, by the time I came around, the, the KJV crowd, uh, well, they don't use microphones, so I, they couldn't hear them anymore. They're not, no amplification. I don't. Sorry, if you're a KJV person, I apologize. I love you in the Lord. 
Yeah, vax or no vax. Sure. Uh, drinking alcohol. Yes. All of these things are going to be, again, so clearly when you read the Bible and go, oh, that's not an issue that the Bible wants you to divide on, but we've taken it and we've shoved it to the front of the line and said, we have, what's your position? Stake out your ground. It's us and them. And you're like, no, 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 no. We agree on all of the important things. Please don't divide on things you shouldn't. Well, as we, as we wrap up this time together, what are some, what are some helpful resources? If someone wants to maybe dig a little deeper on this or think a little more about this, what are some resources that come to mind that you would uh, recommend? That is a good question. Uh, I we've talked through so many things, I don't know where to begin. Uh, pick up a good systematic theology. Uh, you don't have to read the whole thing. The way those are organized, it's really easy to go, huh, I wonder what I think about yeah. angels and demons. And uh, great, here's a chapter. There's 30, 40 pages that will help me grapple with some of the key biblical texts. Read a couple of them that disagree. That's always really helpful. Well, you, you mentioned earlier um, Wayne Grudem. And, yep. and I think when you look at the good systematic theology books, and I would include Grudem in that, I think Grudem was written more at a popular level. So of mm-hmm. all the systematic theology books that you could pick up, I think Wayne Grudem's going to be the easier read. Um, you mentioned Erickson. Uh, John Frame is a good one, and I, I may be wrong on this, but I think Grudem was one of Frame's students. And so, uh, but, but I find Frame very, very thorough, very, very, very good. But I, yeah, I like that. Um, another, another good resource is Finding the Right Hills to Die on. Um, it was written by, I think it was written two years ago. So it's a fairly new book. Uh, I believe it was published by Crossway. Uh, and um, but um, for the biblical uh, or for the gospel coalition, but those would be two resources if you want to go a little bit deeper uh, on this. I think would be helpful. Luke, you have the last word. I give my last word to Saint Augustine: in essentials, unity; and non-essentials, liberty; and all things, charity. Thanks for being with us. <laughs>